0: Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I usually reside on the Erie campus, but you can catch me on all three campuses quite often. We're having a great day. So glad you're tuning in. We have a great show for you today. We have a new guest, but before I get there, I want to introduce you to something you probably already know, but that is calvarybible.com. Go to calvarybible.com find out what's happening in your neck of the woods you do not want to miss what is going on here at calvary this spring we got so many great things we're on our way towards easter uh, we have egg hunts we have summer trips and it's just going to be oh we have kids week we just have too much going so you need to go to calvarybible.com click your campus click events Find out how to get involved here at Calvary. Always, you can write me at the weekly at or my normal staff email. I answer to both. And uh, I think that's enough announcements for today. Without further ado, let me introduce Patrick Sobecki. He is on the Boulder campus. He is stepping into the booth for the very first time. Very first podcast?
1: Yeah, I've never actually been on a podcast before.
0: That is very strange to me that you. Really? I've never been on a podcast before.
1: Why me in particular?
0: Well, there's affinity that you and I have, or there's several affinities. It's true. Um, We'll get into that, I guess, today. But first and foremost, Patrick today brought me a cup of coffee. People, this is why I need to (laughs) bring people on the show, because they bring me things when they get on the show. And he brought me coffee from Boxcar. And it's the most unique coffee I've tasted this week.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I, just, I was so excited because Boxcar, they're opening a roaster like five blocks from my house in South Boulder. Wow. So we're so excited about that. Yeah. Because uh, they've been one of my favorites ever since I moved to Boulder in yeah. 2012. So it was just fun. And, and it was from El Salvador, which ever since the filter of Hope Trip, I've been like really excited to try yeah. and hand out new El Salvador coffees yep. that I'm excited about. Yeah. So, it was just a cool opportunity.
0: Okay, real quick, Boxcar story. Okay. People on the weekly know that we don't get to anything about eight minutes in, ten minutes into this podcast. (laughs) This is guaranteed. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, Boxcar was newly opened, newly came into Boulder. My friends, uh, those days, I was in a student ministry program, and we were like, hey, let's go get some Boxcar. Let's check this place out. So, first time ever there. We go in, we order, like, you know, this boxcar was one of the first inside the city of Boulder in the uniqueness of roasteries. Mm-hmm. And so we are like, okay, we'll just order. We order, we sit down at this bistro table. Like, it's, but it's a wood bistro table. So it's like wood, and then the chairs are wood. And something happens, someone, like, you know, kicks the table, sure. and your coffee mug just sort of spills, you know. like I was like, all right, I'll get it. So I get up, and I go to... Get up, and as I go, I need to move out because of skin and tidy, you know, boxcar.
1: Oh, it's very small.
0: I pull up the chair, and the whole thing falls apart <laughs> like a puzzle. <laughs> like, it's just like all of it goes everywhere. Like, spindles, everything is like. chair is just gone. It's, and like, I'm holding a part of it.
1: <laughs> and like, just you a know, pile of kindling at that yeah. point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and like, everyone's eyes, like, this is, or turn towards me I'm like I literally just Picked this thing up And I don't know What to do next Like There's not another chair In the building Like This is it Oh it's so full So my friends yeah. and I Like They're just laughing Like Oh my Like It's unreal So it takes about 10 minutes We finally put the stool back <laughs> and I sit on it Without the back
1: Put it back together yeah, like, Somewhat Put yeah, the joints back in You know like in. Slamming it <laughs>
0: One of the most embarrassing moments in a coffee shop history (laughs) when I, like, destroyed literally every rod spindle is on the floor. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know how one could do this.
1: That's how you know it's a fancy coffee shop, though, is that even even the chairs can be deconstructed.
0: I hope, since I've been there long ago, they have new chairs.
1: Ah, well, it's... (laughs) I, I've never... they've never I will never apart. sit in those chairs again. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. You'll have to come to the new <laughs> cafe they're opening to see if it's the same experience. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> That's great. That was, that was a, one of those weird... So when you said boxcar this morning, I just thought of that story. Oh, totally. All right, Patrick. Let's get to the... Let's go to the chase. Um, you're on Calvary staff. What do you oversee here at Calvary?
1: Yeah, so I'm the coordinator of high school ministry out at the Boulder campus. So I... Yeah, love working with the high school students, their parents, and just the community of young adult leaders that gets mm-hmm. to show up there every week.
0: Yeah, and actually, I knew you before you were actually, we met once in a random spot. <laughs> yeah. Before you were on this team, what did you do here on the Front Range?
1: Yeah, so uh, the year before I came on staff with Calvary, I was a fourth grade teacher at a small classical Christian school called Summit Classical Academy. Yeah,
0: that's so. super fun.
1: It was, it was a really good time. I learned a ton about teaching, a ton about myself, and realized that why I think I have the gift of teaching, and that being confirmed by others, I don't think it's teaching fourth graders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's nothing like trial by fire to find out your gifts. Oh, totally. So, uh, you're married?
1: Yep. So, I've been married to my wife, Tina, for coming on seven years now. Yeah. Whoa, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and we have one little girl, Beatrice, who's a year and a half. So that's just been a wild ride.
0: Yes, if you know anything about Patrick, it makes sense that they named their daughter Beatrice, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the other affinity outside of coffee that Patrick and I hold is we both have had a collegiate or post collegiate uh, classical training. Yeah. So what did what is your classical training in?
1: Yeah, so I got a. Uh, Bachelor of Arts in Great Books.
0: Oh, my goodness. Slow down. From?
1: From Bethlehem College. Okay,
0: so Bethlehem College is where John Piper is from, right?
1: Yeah, John Piper is the chancellor out in Minneapolis. So it's right downtown Minneapolis in his church, Bethlehem Baptist. So it was great. It was a college in Sunday school rooms. Mm -hmm. But I just got an incredible education there
0: so great books so what does that mean for those who are unfamiliar with great books
1: yeah so if you would combine basically a philosophy theology literature and history degree all into one degree where you think about moving chronologically through the history of the world thinking about who have been the thinkers the writers who have influenced humans the most Mm -hmm. that's who we studied
0: Wow. So you did that for four years in undergrad? Yep. That's great. And then did you meet your wife there?
1: So we actually met in 2012 when I moved to Boulder. Okay. So we're both actually from Colorado Springs, but went to CU. Um, she finished her degree at CU in 2015. Mm-hmm. I, after a couple of years at CU, um, actually ended up dropping out. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a Christian my freshman year at CU through the Navigators ministry there. Yes. Um, and just totally lost interest in the Arabic degree that I was pursuing. Um, so yeah, we met in Boulder, dated for a couple of years, and then got married in 2016. Right before we moved to Minneapolis, and I restarted a bachelor's degree out there.
0: So you've been around the Front Range for quite a quite some time—ten yeah. years, ten plus years now.
1: Yeah, and I had, like growing up in Colorado Springs. Yeah. I've always up next to the mountains honestly that was the hardest part about moving to the midwest is yeah. i had no sense of direction for four years because <laughs> <laughs> the mountains weren't there yeah,
0: yeah. where's west i don't know i have no idea i have no idea which the <laughs> yeah. that's great that's wonderful that's really fun man so wow. let let me ask for the what would be considered one of your favorite things you do in ministry
1: oh man i love 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 getting together with leaders and talking about making disciples who will labor for a lifetime
0: oh man that's good that i can see that in your conversion as well because of navigators totally they are about that as well yep that's
1: (laughs) basically a ripoff of their mission statement yeah
0: yeah that's (laughs) great
1: it's just i fell in love with it i got a vision for disciple making the idea that you could meet with one person to train them to pray and read the bible and learn to love Jesus, and then help them teach someone else to do that. Mm-hmm. I And see that growth, not as just adding more people to my ministry, but actually seeing people being able to add to the kingdom of God on their own mm-hmm. was just a vision that captivated mm-hmm. me my mm-hmm. freshman year at CU. And I've just been so <laughs> excited and grateful that I've been able to dedicate my life to it since then.
0: Oh man, that's wonderful, Patrick. So... For those who are listening today, we don't have a video, but you have a Fairview speech and debate. I haven't asked you this morning because I've been waiting. I want to know why the heck are you wearing a sweatshirt like that?
1: Yeah, so I have been uh, this year an assistant coach for the Fairview speech and debate team. So they gave me their lovely crew neck sweater that I get to wear on. I wear it on Thursdays because they practice on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So it's been one of my favorite things. Yeah, I've been gotten to do with my time in this last year it's yeah. two hours on thursday evenings working mm-hmm. with there are actually 60 students that are part of the fairview speech wow. and debate team and it's just so fun to go yeah. and talk to students about the most important political things the most important philosophical things and all in the context of just a boulder public high school
0: man what a, what a wonderful thing I, I didn't know that about you until this moment when you wore your sweatshirt but um, that's really fun. I can see how classical education has given you love for that as well. Maybe
1: totally. And it was actually a book, um, called the coddling of the American mind. That was really helpful to me in this last year thinking about, it's not a book written by Christian guys. It's written by two guys. One's a, a first amendment lawyer and the other works with college students, um, as a sociologist. Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about how one of the things that the, rising generation really lacks is the ability to deal with disagreement, Mm -hmm. the ability to deal with any other kind of worldview. Um, And so one of their practical applications at the end of the book is get involved with a high school speech and debate team because you can actually train that kind of resilience and openness in to students Mm -hmm. while they're in high school still.
0: Oh man, that's really cool. I like that. It's a knock to the closing of American minds, which is another book I'm sure you've read, Alan Bloom. So, um, you know, this, forgive this podcast. We're going to be dropping
1: a lot of books. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the curse I have on my friends yeah. that I just lay out so many book recommendations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Luby, for years, has just <laughs> joked that I... I have to be the person who reads books for him and then summarizes them because I just recommend so many. Yeah, yeah. So good, man. So good.
0: So out of all the books that you've read, what are some of your top favorites? Ugh. Outside the Bible, You know Jesus is the answer, I know. <laughs> but outside of that, what are some of your favorites?
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the books that I think about on a weekly basis is The Brothers Karamazov yeah. by Fyodor Dostoevsky. One of my favorite books. It's it's such a mouthful to say for yeah. people that don't know it, but I, I mean, I think about that book. There's this one character, this old monk who's a mentor to one of the main characters,
0: Brother Zosima. Yeah, oh.
1: I on a it's at least once or twice a week that I think in a situation, what would Zosima do yeah. here? That's a <laughs> oh my goodness, we could talk
0: hours about Thosma. but oh, yes, yeah. um, that's wonderful. Yeah, there's a very approachable translation these days, Brothers K. Yeah, totally. Which two Americans, a couple, have translated all his works into a little more modern English again. So helpful, contemporary. I should say contemporary English. Yeah, um, and it's a very well written book. Yeah, in that translation.
1: Yeah, and it's such a simple story about three brothers having conflict with their dad. Yeah. At the end of the day, like who can't relate to that? Right. Right. So I just love it.
0: Yeah. I, man, if you want to give yourself to something like that, uh, I couldn't highly more recommend that type of book. As you think about, you know, people at Calvary in the years, how many years have you been on staff? Two, three? Uh, it'll be two in June. Okay. What, what type of material would you give um, some adult who, is really fleshing out their faith, want to be really sharp in the modern world about who Jesus is. What, what approachable type book would you have them read?
1: Maybe some people wouldn't call this book approachable, but I think it is, and I think it is actually one of the most helpful books for me in dealing with modern culture. But I think Augustine's Confessions are so So helpful Mm. in our day and age. I think he lived in a point of history that's so similar to ours in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about his life, he grew up where his mom was Christian and his dad wasn't. He just got into all sorts of sexual sin in his teen years, and then ended up moving to the big city, became a big deal, made a ton of money, got really famous, and then met a preacher who actually spoke the kind of language, the kind of intellectual and helpful practical language that he needed to hear, and that's how he came to know Christ. I'm like, what? Who who wouldn't find that story helpful in right. our day and age? Right. You know, right? And so I think Augustine's Confessions has been so helpful to me, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's framed as a prayer to God mm-hmm. throughout the whole story—that mm-hmm. I, I find it is, if one were to think about what it would be to live a Christ-centered life, loving God and loving others, mm-hmm. I think Confessions is such a great book to start with.
0: Man, that's I can recommend a higher quality book. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's I've never thought about it that way, but as you sort of clarify who Augustine is, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I also had to read it three times yeah. during my education at Hub, so I've had a fair amount of time to think totally. about it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, when we approach great books and serious books, books that have survived not the New York bestseller, but survived the test of time and cultures and generations of wars and rumors of wars and upheavals and all those type of things. Um, You know, getting to read the great books is such an important task for us that we shouldn't do it alone either. You should find some people that have similar interests and read them together.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's one of the things I even interact with, a lot of my leaders on because they're post-college they're starting to get back into like actually enjoying reading again for the first time after getting out of school and then they run into some of these books for the first time and they're like i don't even know what to do with this right i'm like okay let's just sit and talk about it for a minute yeah even just had a couple leaders last night stay late to talk about the lord of the rings yeah they're like I feel like there's something really cool and significant about like Aragorn being the king and Gandalf being like this prophet figure, but I still don't really know how to put it together. And so we just had like a 30 minute conversation after all the high school students had left after our leaders meeting had ended about how awesome the Lord of the Rings are.
0: Right. That's right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, develop a love of reading, right? Yeah. Love of reading well as well. Yeah. So you're doing some post-grad work? I am. Right? What, what it, or I actually say, yeah, you're doing some grad work. It's not post-grad yet.
1: Yeah. Someday. <laughs> Lord willing. <laughs> Maybe.
0: All right, so what what type of grad work are you doing these days?
1: Yeah, so I'm working on a Master's of Divinity through Reform Theological Seminary. I'm doing their hybrid program, which is just incredible for full-time people in ministry. So most of the time, it's online, taking one or two courses at a time, but then... Uh, Twice a year, I get to go down to their campus in Orlando for a week of intensive courses. So I'll take three three classes at a time, and it's just class from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., five days in a row, and it's just incredible to be able to learn from those professors who often have been pastors or are currently pastors, and just hearing them apply, I mean, the greatest levels of scholarship to the practical work of ministry.
0: Right. That's right. You know, so often we forget when we're in the local church that we have so many saints who have come before us and so many generations who offer us a conversation to jump into. It's not a new conversation. It's actually a very old conversation like Augustine. Like he still offers us a really quality conversation about where we find ourselves today, even in, like, Boulder and Erie, yeah. right? Oh, Gordon. totally.
1: I, yeah. I I mean, I think his, yeah. yeah. I, I could go on about Augustine for a while. Yeah, totally. I agree.
0: Let's jump into the text this week in, here at Calvary. And, you know, neither of us preached um, this weekend, so give us some grace in that. But I thought it was really interesting. I came across um, with Thomas a, an idea that I think – is worthy of us to talk about um today. And we were in the text in Matthew, I mean, sorry, Luke 19:19 19, 19, where the scribes and chief priests are trying to um trap Jesus, right? And um they ask if he would pay taxes or not basically. Um and Jesus grabs a denarius, a denarii, I should say. And um he says, you know, we, we know this famous line, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and God, the things that are God.' would you find really helpful for Perry's preach over this? As you sat there and listened um, this week, what were you thinking about?
1: It's actually interesting that you bring up that section of the passage because at the Boulder campus. We didn't actually get to that section. Oh wow. We spent, yeah. uh, all of our time in the first, um, 20 verses? Yeah. 15 verses, really. Uh, and so uh, we spent all of our time talking through what does it mean for Jesus to have authority? Yeah, and, and
0: this is chapter 20, not chapter 19. Yeah, Sorry.
1: chapter 20. Um, and then the parable of the wicked tenants. Okay. That, like how patient is God in sending servant after servant and then finally his son. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all, all coming to the same... I think conclusion that really the paying taxes to Caesar is that man we're not we're not our own we're not authorities unto ourselves we are under Christ's authority mm-hmm. the one the one who created us ultimately yeah yeah totally and, and so I think that was yeah I, even a, a shared conclusion from different texts in the same passage yeah
0: totally I think you know when we talk about chapter twenty we are talking about sort of the I guess the reality that Jesus is the authority or in in other points, God is the authority. Yeah. And so, um, in the, the day in which we find ourselves in, in chapter 20, um, the people don't want Jesus to be that authority. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, he's and, Bucky. He's rubbing them into rubbing them up a, the wrong way. Yeah,
1: and nobody nowadays can relate to that. <laughs> no one can relate to <laughs> nobody. wanting
0: no one to be their authority, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We, never, we never get upset when someone who tells us to do something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, what are the consequences, especially even, this would be interesting for me to sort of flesh out, what are the consequences of individualism even as we read Chapter 20?
1: <sighs> I mean, that that's a question for books, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I think... I think one of the things we talked about in my life group this week was even the idea of one of the first questions was, how would you answer someone who said, who asked you about Jesus authority? Yeah. And almost everyone in my life group was like, I don't even think I would start the conversation there because I would just have to ask so many more questions about like, what do you even mean by authority? Right. And the question we ultimately took it back to is like, okay, how would I answer someone if they asked me, why do I do what Jesus tells me to do? Mm -hmm. And so that was the question we spent more time around of even that like individual aspect of how can I even give a testimony for myself before I even try to apply Jesus authority outside of that.
0: Right. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful conversation to have, you know, that's a, a very thoughtful room to sort of think through those issues. You know when 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 didn when Thomas did preach on this and he did preach on the 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 coin. Sure. Um I was he he paused and talked about sort of the really basic identity of we have a creator and we are not our own. Which is super helpful because, you know, when we see like the, he quoted the Heidelberg catechism which if you're not someone who knows what a catechism is, what is a catechism?
1: Oh man, the catechisms are these really helpful built out question and answer format mm-hmm. statements that give the answers to all the most important questions for the Christian faith.
0: Yeah, simple simple responses to complex questions yeah. at some level. Yep. Now, the they're not as simple as you would think, but they are they're trying to distill truth down into some simple statements, yeah. right? Exactly. Biblical truths. And, you know, my family right now is going through the New City Catechism, which is the updated version, Tim Keller's Church. Gosh, that's just super thankful for this resource they have produced. And they have a great app, which is free. So mm-hmm. that's how we're reading it. You can get the book, an so, adult one or a kid's one. Yep. We're doing kids. And it reminded me of even question one of the New City Catechism, which is built after the Heidelberg. It's sort of a modern vernacular catechism. Um, What is our only hope in life and death? And the response is that we are not our own, but belong to God. And as Thomas was preaching, I was like, man, this is the single doctrine that we have to talk about for the next 10 years, give ourselves to, and drip in everything and everything where we talk about Christ in our work, in our sports, in our pickleball, wherever we are, we've got to talk about the doctrine that there's a creator mm. who created you. Yeah. Because individualism has gone so far where we don't even acknowledge that.
1: Totally. You know? I think Lewis in the screw Tape Letters, he articulates this so well that one of the greatest tricks the devils played on humanity is uh, misusing the possessive pronoun. Oh, that you can take the the sense of possessing my shoes and run it all the way up because we say, well, these are my shoes. But we say we also say these are my parents and this is my country,
0: my faith,
1: my faith all the way up to my God. Yeah. And the greatest trick the devil played on us is getting us to use my for all of those in the same way we use it as my shoes Mm -hmm. and that collapse of making it just something that I have total ownership over. I mean, even the sense of my body being such a controversial phrase in our culture. And I think that that's been really helpful to me in thinking through, okay, how has individualism impacted this? I think it's that, that misview of That misrepresentation of the view of Mm -hmm. possession—that I can have something, I can have God in the same way I have shoes. Like, oh, that's in in
0: reality, God has you. Yeah, Yeah. totally. He's like my child. That's actually the proper Mm, possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think I'm like I'm. I'm, It was just I was just sitting there Sunday. I was like, this is the doc. This is like this is why you study doctrine. This is why you study catechism. This is why you study systematically things of God. Um, now, can you just read your Bible and come to these conclusions? Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying that. Sure. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, is, is the Bible the full authority of God? Yes. 100%. Let me, please. But these help you frame up what God is doing in the world and what he's been doing in the world. And even the catechism of starting what is our only hope in life and death Mm. Is that we are not our own, but belong to something, and that something is God. Like mm. that's like, if if we knew that God created us, yeah. then He would have the authority to tell us who we are. Are we male or female? Mm. Does He have a t- authority to tell us what to do? Mm. Who? What are our consequences?
1: How to Be- spend our time? How to how, spend our money? Right.
0: And this is the doctrine that's got so wiggly and squiggly over the last five ten years oh, in individualism.
1: Totally. I think it's just, I it's ramped
0: up maybe more.
1: I think there's, you can look at some really great writings. I think Carl Truman, you mentioned him before yes. we started talking. I think his book, strange new world does such a good job overviewing how it, everything didn't turn on its head just five years ago, but it's been part of a long chain of, mm-hmm frankly bad thinking yeah. about the human condition totally. that we've arrived here but man it's it felt so accelerated mm-hmm. in the last few years totally. i mean even since i became a christian i feel like the whole culture has just flipped on so many things
0: yeah you know in the the new city cast the second question is what is god then so if there's he there's a creator god we're not our own we're then who is God and God is the creator of everyone and everything. Like these are so simple. Like when they probably we were joking, I was joking with Thomas on Monday about this. Like, man, the Heidelberg is like, I'm so thankful. He brought it up. We've got to come back to these truths. He's mm. like, I bet back then they were like, should we even say this? This is so simple and so known. Why would we even say this? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, who wouldn't know this in oh, the time and culture in which it was written? Oh, yeah. But now it's like we're going, we are going back to the simplest mm. idea that you're not your own. Like that, that bucks up against everything you would think about today, it bucks up against your calendar, you know, wallet. Choices, decisions, email responses, whatever it is, is yeah. you're not your own. Yeah, And um, it is a cultural moment which we've got to get really good at the doctrine of God.
1: Yeah, and frankly, I think this has been one of the most practical examples for me of what it means to live in a post-Christian society mm-hmm. that we're not just living in a society that like had Christianity around it, but we're actually living in a place where people don't know the basics. Yeah. I mean that's why that's why Augustine is so helpful for me. He's living in the Roman Empire. I mean he's hanging out with straight up pagans. Yeah. And is trying to figure out how to articulate the basics of the Christian faith in that context. Right. And it's like that's that's what we're doing today. Right. Is we're meeting people who yeah, they've they've heard jokes, they've heard comments about God and Christianity and they've seen the news but they really don't know that we believe God created everything out of nothing, mm-hmm. out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do it because he needed us. He didn't do it because he was lacking something or he was lonely. That's why the doctrine of the Trinity is so beautiful. Yeah. God was perfect. He was sufficient. He yeah. was happy. He was in community. In community. He was known. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally. And then wanted to share that mm-hmm. and created an incredible universe to share himself with. Mm-hmm. We just are so caught up, even in the the really sweet, good things that He's given us. But I think we've just been blinded by mm-hmm. the fog of how good our material life is. Right. That we've forgotten we were made for so much more. Totally.
0: So right. So like you know, let's get this really practical, and we'll we'll finish up here. You know, what are some practical things in which you would hope Calvary individuals? would do in sort of this identity that there's a God who's the creator of everyone and everything. You know, how practical can we get?
1: Man, I think we've introduced a framework to the students in the last few months. That's been so helpful to me. Um, Even thinking through as a new preacher, how do I give people those practical things to be able to walk away with? Right. And it's the idea of we should really focus on three areas of we want to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We want to be with the one that saved us and the one who wants to share himself with us. Right, And we want to become like him. That's the goal of being made in the image of God, right? Is that we would actually image God. We would become like him more. Yeah,
0: we, we would see that he's the creator in that we would get our identity from him and then become like him.
1: Yeah. I think of it like we like the moon. We don't have light in ourselves, but reflect the light of God to the world. That's what it means to be an image in so many ways. Um, And then I, the last one is doing what he did. I think that's a natural outworking of becoming like him. And uh, it's just been so helpful for me to be able to even say like, man, are you spending time being with, god Mm. are you are you actually thinking and imagining what it would like be like to become like him to be as patient and as kind and as loving Mm. as he was as humble as he was to be able to Mm. i don't know sit in the frustrations of traffic and remember that he was perfectly patient right and like that just one practical thing as i was driving to Erie this morning (laughs) came up (laughs) but i and i think that even doing what he did. We talked about last night with the students, we were talking about the incarnation and my advice to the students was have a meal with someone you normally wouldn't because mm-hmm. that's something Jesus did all the time mm-hmm. in the scriptures. And it's so simple. It's so practical. Yeah. Of like, Oh, I can step out of my own self just to be able to sit down and have a meal with someone. Totally. Like I have to eat. They have to eat. Yeah. Totally. And, and like, it's so evident to high schoolers that eating lunch alone is terrible. Yeah. And I think we've forgotten that as adults. I think phones have helped us forget that, Yeah, to be frank. We, we
0: can eat by ourselves now because we have our phone.
1: Yeah, and we can pretend like we're with people. Yeah. But it's nothing. It's nothing compared to actually sharing a meal with someone.
0: Those are really good, Patrick. I would say, you know, some tools, if you want to, like, get invested in these things of, like, catechisms and doctrine and mm. things like that. I mean, our... EFCA has created a wonderful treatise called Evangelical Convictions. Yeah. It's super practical, easy. For those who say I'm not that smart or would not qualify themselves for reading something like that, it's so approachable. Yeah. I would read that, especially if you're at Calvary for longer than a
1: year. Oh, yeah. This is who we are. This is what we believe. And it's such a short book. It's, yeah. what, 150 pages, maybe?
0: maybe? And, like, great stories in it, great application illustrations, yeah. Yeah. There are no pictures, but (laughs) outside of that, it's a great book. The other thing is, you know, like the New City Catechism. Mm -hmm. You know, give yourself time for if you don't have family or friends, you know, to do it, to go through it yourself, to understand sort of these simple statements of faith. Or if you have kids, man, there's no greater time than to have some curriculum for them to actually frame up the world. And the New City Catechism has a free app. There's children's mode. It plays songs, remem- oh, memorizing songs. Honestly,
1: the songs we've been playing with our toddler. Yeah. Because it's, it's just so fun and easy and engaging.
0: Totally. My kids, you know, we do that around the dinner table. We can't do it at breakfast. We can't do it at bedtime. But w- that's when we have found it in my family to mm. do it. You know, and um, I just pick up these things. Think of, give yourself, one of the greatest things I can tell you, give yourself to thinking about God. Hmm. There is what? not a wasted moment when you're doing that.
1: <sighs> what, what good advice. Right. That's what Jesus said about Mary, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. No doubt. All right. That's, you're, you're rabbit-rolling. We gotta we got to close this up, Patrick. Hey, Calvary, we're so thankful for you. Thanks for the conversation. Hit up Patrick next time you see him. Um, go online. Find his email. Give him a, a shout. Tell him how thankful you are. He is discipling the next generation here at Calvary. He's discipling this generation here at Calvary, and we're so thankful he is here contributing to our faith and the faith of others. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Hey, keep praying for us. We're looking forward to a great Easter season. Have a great week.